0: In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The police who investigate crime, and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. The worst criminal offenders are pursued by the detectives of the Major K-Squad. These are their stories.
1: Ah, just what I needed to start the day. A stiff drink in a stiff's hand. Does any somebody want to tell me who this guy is and why he was drinking absinthe at 7 in the morning?
2: Maybe because he fell from space on a rocket. Wait, I think this guy fell out of a time warp in addition to being from space. Why else is he dressed as a king?
3: Hmm, the crown has an inscription, or British. Well, that gives us a name. Now, who could have wanted him dead? Just being British usually isn't punishable by death.
4: Lord British was pretty well known among certain groups, and plenty of people didn't like him. They envied his immortality, I think.
2: Immortals don't drop dead, though. Something must have happened, or even fallen out of a time warp in space wouldn't make his time run out.
1: Wait a minute, there's a note in his pocket. It's coded in Linux, though. Somebody really didn't want this being read outside of a computer lab.
4: It says, "Ha ha, Lord British! You thought Britannia was safe from everything you didn't manufacture, and for a long time you were right, but not anymore. And now, at last, Britannia falls under the Apple brand."
3: A signature? No. Even Lord British couldn't hold out against the insidious designs of Steve Jobs.
2: There are RPGs long forgotten, beyond that which is known to the modern gamer. It is a catalog vast as space and timeless as myth and legends. It is the middle ground where panelists from Gamer discuss computer and console RPGs from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. This is a dimension of adventure beyond your imagination. This is the RPG Backtrack! And here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Philip Willis and Mike Mickey. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 45, Ultimate Power. Today we're going to be talking about the whole slew and series of Ultimate games on the PC. This is our PC special of the quarter, or year, or semi-year, or whatever, however we do these things. And to help us out, uh, we got a whole slew of people, but first off, let me uh, say hello to Mr. Mike Mickey, my good friend and partner. <laughs>
0: It was a wise man who said that if all the medicines were dumped into the sea, it would be a horrible day for the fish.
2: (laughs) That reminds me of that billboard that I keep seeing on the way to work. It has a big old bottle of prescription pills poured out, and it says, like, the worst leftovers on Earth, or something like that. I guess it's to tell you not to just toss your prescription drugs, because other people might use them and get high or something. Or,
4: you know, they pollute the water.
2: Yeah... Don't dump them down the sink. What are you supposed to do with prescription drugs if you're not using them?
3: Um.
1: Anybody? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Sell them to impressionable teenagers? Convince, that convince them
2: they'll get high off of it? And
3: like this? The and then devil's use devil's
2: the money to buy pizza? <laughs> and this, this stuff will mess you up. This public service <laughs> announcement has been brought to you by RPG Backtrack, sponsored by RPGamer.com. Lawyers, we're. Lawyers, here's our address, 500 West. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes, please note that we
0: do not, in fact, have the backing or approval of a doctor when we make these recommendations.
2: (laughs) RPG Backtrack is not responsible to the lives and well being of children listening to RPG Backtrack. Okay. Alrighty. And so let's talk about some of these other voices our audience can hear. First off is uh, Becky Cunningham, a.k.a. Asamalat.
4: Yo. What up? It's a three-day weekend here in Canada Everybody celebrate Victoria Day by drinking lots of
2: boobs Nice Yay! And I believe those heavy breathing sounds are coming from my good friend, Mr. Scott Waccomator Hey,
1: I'm about to open my first boo, who's in honor of Queen Vicky
2: (laughs) Thought he was about to open his first boob there Dang, boob jokes and RPG backtrack, be still the thought Last but most certainly <laughs> that
4: since uh, Tales of Symphonia.
2: Yeah. Last but not least, he comes from the depths of toilets everywhere to come to RPG Backtrack this day, Mr. Jonanson self. Hello. How are you doing today? Pretty decent. Yeah. Ready to talk about some Ultima games?
3: Sure. All right. Alrighty. Phil. strudel. I'm good. Mm. Jo- John, did you
0: realize something? Phil got your name right. I know.
2: I, don't know, I kind of slur the Jonathan part. I'm not really. I'm not quite
4: sure. sure how you could get Jonathan's self wrong, anyway. It's pretty straightforward.
2: Mm-hmm. This is Phil, though. I'm creative. Uh, i I've, I've, I've got mutant powers. Mutant <laughs> power to slaughter people's names. That's but, your mutant power, Phil. You should have aimed higher. <laughs> I come. Yeah.
1: You're, you're you're in the special class at Xavier's Academy, aren't you? <laughs> hey, when you set the
2: bar really low, it's very easy to exceed people's expectations, Phil, you see? Phil, you can look up at Dazzler. That's how low you are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she is cool in her disco outfit now. I got that hanging up on my wall. she got the little globe hanging off on a necklace. That is awesome stuff. And she's got the rollerblades going. Hot. But we digress. We don't have time it's... for this because we have, the, like, a... Bucket load of Ultimate games to talk about. And we're going to do that right after our audience gets to listen to this musical selection. audience will be very happy to know that today I will not be doing a whole lot out of talking that's so what we have our pan our, our trio of panelists and to uh, who are experts at Ultima Ultima the ultimate PC series much I love pc RPGs the whole ultimate series just uh, just swung right back Past me, I was too busy playing gold box ds might and magic, and wizardry games. Um, so, I'm really excited to hear uh, about this series from you guys. We're going to start off talking about the uh, the trilogy of the first three Ultima games Ultima 1, The First uh, Darkness, Ultima 2, The Revenge of the Enchantress, and Ultima 3, Exodus. But before we let you guys get started on that, I got to give them their, uh, I got to get a give our audience all the details on these three games first off um ultimate one the first age of darkness was developed by our good friend mr richard garry and in origin systems um this is uh well it's published by a whole bucket load of people and whatnot this was released uh, in 1980 originally on the apple 2 and then released over the next uh, five or six years as, as part of remakes and collections and whatnot so there was a a lot of re-releases of that guy. Uh, this is a single-player computer RPG, as are most of these, actually. Ultimate 2, developed by Richard Garriott once again, published by Sierra Online and Origin Systems, did a re-release of it. This was published for a whole slew of computer types, Apple II, uh, Atari ST, Commodore 64, DOS, et cetera, et cetera, And this one was released in 1982. Last but not least, Ultimate 3 Exodus, also developed by Richard Garriott, published by Origin Systems, released for the same slew of <laughs> computers and whatnot uh, in the DOS format. Had Amiga, Apple, Atari 800, etc., etc., and this one, I believe, even had an NES release. Uh, it was originally released on August 23rd, 1983. Phew! Now that I'm out of breath, I'm going to let you guys take this away.
4: I think this is the first series of games that was actually released before I even owned an, a computer. So, who actually played them?
3: Uh, I played three, but I never... I don't... I wasn't alive when one was made, so likelihood of me playing Where that's was pretty I? low. Yeah, but I, I definitely played three on um, Apple II back in the day. Yeah, Apple II. Good old Apple II. Yeah, that, I that certainly wasn't
0: playing any Ultima games on my old brother computer, which allowed me to make all of ten pages per document before it had to be booted to something else. <laughs>
1: Well, the, um, 64K the first... will be enough for anyone. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> I was actually deal. alive when Ultima 1 was made. Um, but it was, um, these were some of the very first uh, RPGs, like ever. Not the very first ones, but they were pretty close to it. Yeah, pretty close. Um, yeah. They, they were some of the first that had graphics um, as rudimentary as they were. Um, so they were basically, these first three. Um we're the basic there's a bad guy and you go kill him kind of games.
1: Except there's a time machine.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to I'm I'm actually looking to see if the first game had that.
1: Yeah, no the first game did. Like as straightforward as the plot seems, the stuff you had to do to get to the end were really convoluted and that and that's just true of the whole series. Not just a time machine, but there are spaceships too, right? I think you had to shoot down TIE Fighters. <laughs> Did you? Really? <laughs> I think so. That might have been the second one. Like you, you went to space at some point in each of the first three for some reason. Like Legend tells that this was Richard Garriott's D&D game, put <laughs> in the code. And this is the exact sort of weird-ass junk you'd see in an early 80s D&D game. Awesome. Yeah, I guess he's just lucky
0: that George Lucas didn't take the TIE fighter assault
1: as a, a litigious matter. Well, again, yeah. the graphics were so primitive, right. you, you had to squint to see that they were TIE fighters.
4: And back in those days, that yeah, was a little bit of copyright infringement between friends.
1: Well, actually, George Lucas was much more litigious then than he was now. Like, he almost put FASA out of business over uh, Battletech. Hmm. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you go into space into Ultima 1. Yeah, I found a screenshot.
0: And now now he doesn't care that people make make fan edits of his newer movies.
1: Yes, you did go into space in the first one, and the fighters do look like H's. Screenshots tell me so.
4: Okay, well, the story of Ultima 1 revolves around an evil wizard who rules over Sosaria, and Sosaria was the kingdom that was the star of the first three games. So um, it involves you going back in time at, at some point as well as into space. Um, so I guess our little uh, um, skit at the beginning was true. It <laughs> deals with time and space. Um, but a lot of it – and there's a little bit of politics in it, which is unusual for back then. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the basic thing. You, you go back into time and you kill Mondain before he creates the gem of immortality that makes him become immortal. Yay! And then once mundane is dead, you're transported back into the future and rewarded by Lord British, the uh, character created by Lord British himself, who <laughs> certainly is not insane in any way, shape, or form.
3: I wonder if he had a rat tail back then. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thought, random. He tangent. may, have. I, may I, have. Well, he.
4: He did call himself Lord British because I believe he was born in the UK, but um, mm-hmm. that immigrated to the United States pretty early on. And-
0: yeah, Apparently the story is that he was going to some, something in, in his teenage years, and somebody gave him the nickname Lord British just because he said hello instead of hi, and that was enough. They just called him Lord British for that, mm. even <laughs> though he had no British accent at all. Mm.
4: Fascinating. I've been known to say hello from time to time.
0: <laughs> well, apparently, that makes you more a fan of the Queen's English than of this stupid American English that is used in the lowliest place in the world.
3: <laughs> Darn those Queen's English and their use, Extra E's.
4: Alrighty, well, Ultima 2 <laughs> can at least do a little bit of the story. Uh, I believe... Let's see. Ah, the wizard Mondain's lover Minax comes back and threatens the Earth through disturbances in the space-time continuum. Wikipedia of is a lovely thing. So now the player has to guide a hero through time and through the whole solar system itself in order to f- defeat Minax. I
3: mean these, these first three these first three games. It's like they just fell out of a nerd's mind. There's just, just they're just so strange. I mean, you know fantasy with time travel and space. Well, let's be
0: fair, John. Who else was playing RPGs on the PC in the early 80s but nerds? Yeah. Who
3: had a PC in the early 80s? Let's be let's <laughs> Yeah. Let, let's be frank. So.
4: I'm pretty sure we got our Apple IIe in, like, 83 or 84. So, yeah. And... Okay, so, yeah.
0: And uh, based on Spoonie's video, it seems that Minax is a real pain to kill because she likes to warp
1: all over the frickin' place while you're trying not to run out of food. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was the big mechanic of these games, was that you had you had to have enough food to walk around.
3: Yeah, none of them were all that easy, to be completely honest. But yeah, I, I admit, whenever I played 3, I was probably... I don't know... Eight. I mean, I never ended up beating them, but I'm not really surprised, being an eight-year-old, so. Well,
4: Ult- Ultima three featured revolutionary graphics for its time. It was the first computer RPG to display animated characters. Oh,
3: yes. But they like two frames, and they just kind of moved like a little Game & Watch type guy.
4: Well, that would be my guess for Ultima yeah.
3: 3 mm-hmm. Okay, Bye-bye. did Game & Watch predate that, or did
0: this predate Game & Watch? Uh, not the early one. Well, I don't know. Hmm. Well, Game & Watch wasn't an RPG
4: at any rate, so... Right. (laughs) It could be. (laughs) (laughs) For all we
1: know about the Game & Watch.
4: I'm (laughs) pretty sure he didn't have an RPG. (laughs) But, um, and it also was the first Ultima game to have a party of four characters and mm-hmm. it also took you to a separate battle screen so you can see like the slow evolution of the RPG genre right here in in the first three ultima games
0: it was very all of these predate every japanese
3: rpg ever made yeah pretty much i mean but you know the it's really almost the battles were almost strategy rpg-ish they were turn-based they were on i mean there wasn't a grid but it was basically a grid i mean you you moved up well, I can't even think. Of the square placements. Anybody ever play these other ones? Yeah, it was a lot like that. So you you move forward, you attack, and then it'd be someone else's turn, and then it'd be your turn. Yep. you'd be like a shepherd or something. The crow- and that
4: that basic like you move one space, the enemy moves one space on the world map or on a separate screen was kept through the Wizard or through the Ultima series, basically up until Ultima Eight. So it it did pretty much uh, held its own there for quite a while.
3: You know, I wonder, I have to wonder if, you know, if they, I mean, I don't know enough about really early RPG history to know, but I wonder if, if that was something they pioneered or, or if it was something that he, he yoinked from something else. I'm not really sure, but it's still pretty interesting. And you are right, yeah, all the other games that I ever played always had that same mechanic. And I can't think like, of it. Here we of- go.
4: W- Wikipedia tells us. Um, mm-hmm. Ultima 3 Exodus is credited as a game that laid the foundation for the computer role-playing genre, influencing games such as Dragon Warrior and Final Fantasy. In turn, Exodus was itself influenced by wizardry, which Richard Garriott credited as the inspiration behind the party-based combat system.
3: So there you go. That's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. Mm-hmm.
4: It sold over 120,000 copies, too, which is pretty darn impressive yeah. for back then.
1: <laughs> back then, yeah. that's probably So that's on a like one for every... Other computer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's about right. (laughs) Probably.
3: But I guess it wasn't like his first game and you had to, you know, send off in magazines to get it. I mean, in in 1980, there wasn't exactly a lot of computer game stores you could go to. I mean, maybe Radio Shack? I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, you know, there there would be pretty limited.
4: Yeah, you'd just go to general electronics stores that had software in them. I'm trying to remember where I bought my first Sierra Adventure. I think it. I think by the time I bought my first Sierra Adventure, they actually had like software stores, but they certainly didn't have game stores yet. There weren't enough games yet.
3: I think I used to get my old video
1: games all at like. Pretty sure there were radio. I shows. Think toy stores might have sold like like the Sears toy section might have sold like Apple games.
3: That wouldn't be surprising.
4: And I know all of you under the age of 25 are like, "What the hell, you people?" <laughs> <laughs>
3: We remember times without internet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. Oh, I,
1: I remember the time of the ninety six hundred
3: baud rate modem. <laughs> oh, oh, I I had this is completely off tangent, but uh, early, early days of me video gaming on my Apple two C, I had a three hundred baud modem that I had overclocked twelve hundred baud, which was <laughs> nearly scrolling so fast I couldn't read the text, which was pretty amazing, you know. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> 300 bots about as fast as a fax so <laughs> yeah
4: well one more one more uh, little factoid about Exodus Ult- uh, ultimate 3 Exodus it, the box art has a great big demon on the cover and apparently that caused fundamental religious extremists to make to do protests about it so it was probably one of the first computer games to uh, have protests on it too hmm. so, very well, exciting interesting.
0: interesting stuff there the beginning and, of the ever-excitable fundamentalists getting excited for nothing in particular.
4: Yeah, well, they had already been um, protesting about Dungeons & Dragons, of course. That that started in the 70s, but now they've moved on to computer
0: games. Of, well, course. of course. dragons so. are fictitious creatures that can only demean and
1: destroy our youth because they are inherently evil, right? They're based off – Oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: apparently. <I> mean,
1: clearly. <laughs> because, but apparently- because they take attention away from their good, wholesome, fictitious character. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, no, let's not get into that. Yeah, yeah let's not. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> this the, it's interesting because that um, protest apparently inspired Richard Garriott to go into the next direction that he took with his next trilogy, which we can probably introduce since we've actually played them.
2: But Yay! What, games we on. played Yay. What? podcasting. You want to talk about games you actually played?
4: Well, let's play
0: ask John different. one quick thing. Uh huh. This, this is long, long before the days of Game Facts. Do you think you could have beaten Ultima 3 if you had Game Facts at your disposal?
3: Yes. Sure. <laughs> I mean, like, but I mean, the, those games were so hard, and you had just a giant map, and it, you know, at least in, like, a wizardry game, it was a maze, you know? But, and sometimes you had to do really, really sort of strange things in them to actually, because you were, uh,. What the modern premise of all the, the games are is that you had to become the avatar by getting all the, uh, the... this We'll talk about this more in 4, but you had to become the avatar by getting all the, the virtues. But, I mean, like, I mean, you were lucky if you could randomly figure out how to do a third of them, you know. Or even find where to do them at. I mean, they, all these games came with little cloth maps, but the cloth maps were... Like I I might have been three. That the cloth map actually was in runes, and you had to translate the runes. Yeah, that I, was
4: that was one of the fun parts: is learning the ultimate yeah. runic language. And I think all of the maps, like throughout the whole time, like it was it was useful if you if you learned the runic language. It was just a simple transposition. They give so, you a map, you
3: up, you can't even use it until you learn the language. It's like yay, I just yay.
4: <laughs> I thought that was kind of awesome actually, but I didn't play these early ones. I played the later ones, and by then I think. I could at least go onto to America Online to find out which rune means, which meant which letter.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I don't know if this was true with Ultima, but I know it was true with a lot of the RPGs I played uh, back in the 80s and whatnot, but they they seem to be designed to be really tough, so you'd go out and buy the bloody hint book. Mm. Do they have hint books for Ultima games?
3: Uh, I shot probably. Yeah. I mean, no. They're, those are the type of things that exist but they're very difficult to locate I mean you know
2: of course they still try to do that to this day with a lot of games, don't they <laughs> I'm still surprised when I go to EB games and with uh, game facts and websites and everything else they're still selling 15 20 dollar guidebooks to a lot of the games that come out so-
3: at least when there you have an RPG, you know, something else, Ultima or some modern RPG, at least it could be a giant collection of numbers and pretty graphs, you know.
4: Yeah, and, and full-color yeah. maps, which you can't find in yeah. places on the internet and stuff like that. So, you know, oh, my... if you like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. my well,
1: have Have you seen the Pokémon ones? They're freaking phone books. Yeah, they're huge. Yeah. My... Like I think Black and White was two separate books.
4: Yes it was But anyway How about how about Is Phil here to introduce we The next are, uh, trilogy we are, of games?
2: We've got those queued up And ready to go the yeah, next, Let's do it Let's do it The next trilogy of in games Includes Ultima 4 Quest of the Avatar Ultima 5 Warriors of Destiny And Ultima 6 The False Prophet Ultimate 4 was developed by Origin Systems and Infinity and published by Origin Systems, uh, FCI, Sega, and a whole bunch of other people. Designed, of course, by Richard Garriott. Uh, This was released for Amiga, Apple II, Atari, Atari ST, Commodore 64, oh, just a whole bunch of stuff, including the NES NES and the Sega Master System. This was originally released in September 16, 1985 for most of those computer platforms, and in 1990 for the NES and uh, Sega Master System. And And the
0: second master system, for some reason, was the default system that the original game page maker on our site went with. Don't ask me why.
2: Ultimate 5 Warriors of Destiny, developed by Origin Systems and published by the same design, by Richard Garriott was also released for a slew of computer uh, platforms as well as uh, the NES. This was released on October 5th, 1988, and this is a, let's see, that's a single-player RPG as well, of course. Ultima 6, uh, developed by Origin Systems, published by the same design by Richard Garriott and Warren Spector. This was released for DOS, Amiga, Atari ST, Commodore 64, the Super Nintendo and a couple of other small, minor things. Um, this is um, this is actually, I don't know, it has a U, rated U <laughs> for unrated. It's <laughs> the first game I saw that had a rating system on it. Anywho, so let's talk about these guys.
4: All right. Well, Ultima 4 was where the series really became sort of the Ultima series, as most gamers know it, um, because it introduced... The character of the Avatar, who was a futuristic time traveler who gets thrown back in time into this um, medieval-type world um, and then has to um, uphold these particular virtues in order to beat the big evil bad guy. I didn't actually play Ultima Four, I read up on it because Ultima Five was the first one I played. But who played Ultima Four? I Yo. did. Awesome.
3: What was it like? Uh... It was. The neat thing about it, as far as I can remember, because I'm pretty sure Ultima 3 didn't have it, is um, anybody who's familiar with Ultima games, the uh, Ultima map, like what you imagine the continent is in Ultima, I believe it was the first game that it actually w- took place on that continent. You know, the one that's shaped like a crescent moon. I'm, I'm not sure if anybody remembers this or not, but uh, Ultima Online also took place on the same map. And All the other games, I believe, like, like Sarah Bray and things like that. Yeah, the map
4: the map would change over time, but yeah, yeah the basic it's fundamentally talents. the
3: same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but besides that, uh, you had to you know play, and you were the avatar, and you had to wander around and get all of the virtues. Which um, it's been a long time since I played this game, but you had to get them in different ways based on what they were. So you just couldn't like go to a shrine and be like, yay, and you know and. Yeah, I'm humble. Could, it, was, it wasn't yeah.
1: collecting uh, Triforce pieces.
3: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like that, no. Which is uh, what I said earlier is that it made it kind of difficult. Like, okay, yay! How do I get humility? You know, and so you'd wander around in towns and just poke around until you give up and try to go get a different virtue. Yeah. but besides <laughs> for that, yeah, it was pretty fun. I enjoyed myself playing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, you
4: got humility by. Um, picking the right answers in various conversations so if you gave a boastful resu- response you got a penalty to humility and if you got a humble response you gave
1: you got a bonus yeah this was really the start of the um sort of morality bars but it was interesting because you had eight separate tracking ones that you didn't really know uh, were there but you, you, so you had to do a lot of different things to be like i'm courageous and also loving and stuff
3: it also affected at the beginning of the game what class you started as like um and i can you could you change classes i don't I don't recall being able to change them, but like if, no. you were humil- if you were humility, you would be a shepherd, and if you know you'd be a bard if you chose a different one, or you know a fighter if you chose a different one yeah did,
4: did, now this one started the same way most of them did with you answering questions at the fortune teller right yes yeah. Yeah, so this was the start of – the the class determination system was basically you would – your avatar after getting thrown into Britannia um, would wake up um, in the tent of a fortune teller and she would ask you moral questions. And depending on your answers to these moral conundrums, it would determine what class you were, like which virtues you seemed to identify with most. So it was like um, – uh, a thief is fleeing from a noble lord, and he has stolen a loaf of bread. Do you side with the thief because he was just hungry, or do you side with the lord because the law is important, and you'd get a point for certain virtues depending on that?
3: Yeah, it's kind of ogre battle-ish like that. I bet ogre battle probably stole that from Ultima, to be honest. Well,
2: but, but you know, it's really realistic when you think about it because, I mean, when I went to apply mm-hmm. for a job at the hotel, they asked me a bunch of moral questions. of that to tell me what position I got to work in, and now I'm a housekeeper. Yes!
1: Yes, but That's in true. this case it I, I determines what character class quirks. you are on your way to being Crystal Dragon Jesus Guy.
2: <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal Dragon Jesus Guy. <laughs> Somebody's gonna make that in four months. We, can, on, you know, we it. know why he didn't make it up in the rapture yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, snap. oh, hey, better oh, yeah, than was...
3: any of you. <laughs> <laughs> that was yesterday, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah, we all failed to be raptured.
3: Dang it. Well, yeah,
2: next we'll we should have that played means-
4: more. We should have played more <laughs> Ultima, then we would have been virtuous enough.
3: Yeah, it would have taught us valuable lessons. Mm-hmm.
0: Clearly, that that minister in North Carolina needed to play some Ultima because he doesn't know anything about apocalypses now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> RPG
4: backtrack. We're about games and we're topical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this
3: is, yeah, this, this is won't
0: really- age badly at all. This is really
3: off topic, but I went to the zoo yesterday, and driving down the highway, they actually had made a billboard that said, like, you know, the world's going to end today. They actually put up a billboard for it.
2: Oh yeah, you know it's really great. Is here in Utah, boy, this is really on topic. Um, here in Utah, we had the the billboard that counted down the days automatically. So after yesterday came and passed, we're waiting for it to say negative one days until doomsday, and it just it's just blank now. It just says blank days until doomsday. It's really hilarious. <laughs> Speaking of doomsday, so so let's get back to Ultima. It's all okay. about doom and gloom. Let's talk about that. You talk about it because I don't know about it.
4: Well, who, okay. who's the big, who's the big bad in Ultima for?
1: There really wasn't one. Like this was about like there's uh, the whole thing is that uh, Lord British thinks that people don't have any purpose now that the the evil has been banished. So they're like, we need you. So he come grabs a random guy from the future, and he's like, you. You must become Crystal Dragon Jesus to be an example to all my people, and then he sends you off on the quest to embody all these virtues and bring peace and spiritual enlightenment to the lands.
3: Well, that so then, being said, which game was the first game that had Blackthorn in it? Uh, uh, I can't remember if it was four or not, but I don't. I don't think it was four. Yeah, most probably. No, it was, it was five. five. Mm-hmm.
4: Yep. Sorry I had to mute my mic for a sec cuz my husband was making smoothies in the blender. Ah. Ah. Uh, so so the so how did you how did you quote unquote win the game then?
1: Like did once you, you all got all eight and you'd go back and be like, "Hey Lord British, I'm like super virtuous now." And he'd be like, "So you are. I have this shiny hat."
3: <laughs> yeah, then-
1: <laughs> <do> that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And then you'd go back to the future And I think you'd find that your house had been robbed Like you've Like that was actually the end of the cutscene Was he sends you back to the future Now that you've uh, embodied virtue for all the people And you go back to your apartment And like your door's busted open And someone's taken your TV
3: well, you would probably be gone fail. Gone,
1: you know,
2: <laughs> Or maybe that was five I can't remember And I mean that's one of the – that's one of the things that uh, really kind of set Ultima apart um, as far as RPG goes from what I understand was it did have that theme of being able to go to different time periods, right? Not
1: really. Like after 3 where you were jumping around time a lot, you were just this guy from the future and then you'd get called back to Britannia whenever stuff went down and it might be decades after the fact but – uh it never really like there was it this was not Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure uh from 3 on it should have been yeah Bill no, and Ted it was G needs to happen man
4: <laughs> that would be awesome but uh, yeah you know it's more that um Britannia would go forward in time with every um with every episode but not within a single episode so should we talk about Ultima 5
1: uh, one thing I just want to mention that's sort of a common theme for a lot of these games is that in order to do anything, you have to do these really bizarre chain of deals quests, and that's a lot of the reason why I don't think I beat about half these games, is that you'd put it down for a while, and you're like, what was I doing, and how do I get this thing for that guy so I can go into this dungeon? Like, like the amount of like little degrees of separation you had to do is kind of ridiculous. <laughs>
4: Well, back then, you were just supposed to keep notes, man.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't, yeah, like, I had to have graph graph paper for all your maps, and then just have a notepad of everything. Actually, didn't the, like, the last eight pages of every game manual just have blank space for notes?
4: Yeah, they said notes, and you'd have your thing for notes.
1: I don't think I ever wrote in them. Oh, I I did. That I could remember, and then I wouldn't.
4: Well, I was probably older than you two when I played these, so
1: yeah uh, i I was particularly young for four, five, and six, I'm sure if I yeah, like I, dug them up, I'd manage better
4: yeah, I was a teenager when I started playing five, so that, that would definitely make a difference so yeah um, in Ultima five took this sort of to the next level, so in Ultima four, you had to embody the virtues in Ultima five, you come back to uh to um Britannia, and you discover that um, Lord British is gone, and there's a tyrant known as Lord Blackthorn on the throne. And Lord Blackthorn has Blackthorn has his own virtues.
3: Well, to call him virtues, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> He's like the uh, the anti Lord British, sort of. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he named after – wasn't Blackthorn, Richard Garriott's friend or something like that? It was supposed to be his friend. I don't don't recall. It's been a long time. I don't
4: remember. I'm trying to look up what the anti-virtues were.
2: Yeah. It's better than virtues. It's anti-virtues. Like it was
1: sort of like – like take the virtue example and then just sort of extend it. Past the point where it's good, and that—that's like
0: basically pride. what they
3: were: <laughs> pride yeah. or uh, wrath or <laughs> let's just opposite it. Well, we can say that was it.
4: Stuff like that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, or in
1: some cases, it's like you must be charitable or face death. Like th- this was actually a really interesting. Like the whole point of this game was actually a discussion of sort of religious fundamentalism and moral absolutism. We it, Like, it was definitely ahead of its time, and uh, one of these days we'll get around uh, – Sanctum will get around to uh, moral choices and ethical systems, and I want to bring mm-hmm. this game up. Yeah, now this –
4: like, the Ultima series, starting with, with four and five, brought up topics that were way ahead of what anybody else was doing in terms of, like, stuff that you were actually supposed to think about.
1: Yeah, yeah and he's still yeah. ahead of a lot of games now like there are plenty of yeah. games that are still at the level of you know punch the baby or give the baby food <laughs>
3: <laughs> or give them a lollipop
4: <laughs> although i've just been playing the witcher 2 so that's that would yeah. be the uh, more on the level of the ultimate games in terms of subtlety but yeah so you would you would go a lo- you would go around and um Try to solve the problems of the people so that they would believe in the virtues again instead of and, and free them from Lord Blackthorne's shadow lords. And I just vaguely remember playing the game, so I don't remember a whole lot about exactly how it worked.
1: Like, each, each, each shadow lord was sort of like a particular um, sort of vice, and then you'd have to find where their temple was and then hit it with some sort of object that was sort of the opposite, like the opposite virtue. So you had to, so you had to destroy like the shard of fear with the, you know, fires of courage or something.
0: Woohoo.
4: And you had to get the, these things by doing good stuff. You couldn't just like go into a dungeon and find the fire of courage. You had to do something brave to get it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of my uh, memories of this game is actually a little bit skewed because I played this one on NES, and to my understanding, that wasn't the greatest, well, the most accurate port, so I probably had a completely different uh, experience than you guys did, so.
2: Yeah, I think Nintendo had some
0: censorship policies that might have impacted what this game was able to do on the system. Mm -hmm.
4: Which is kind of funny when you think about it because it's all promoting virtue. Yeah.
1: (laughs) No, no, the cool thing was that this is going to end up tying into the sequel is that you eventually had to like rescue lord british from the underworld and in order to do it you had to steal a bunch of books from some demony looking dudes and that leads into six where the demony dudes aren't all that bad and then you're like oh i screwed that up
4: this also tied in with ultima underworld i believe um lord british was actually in the underworld at the time that this game was happening um and Ultima Underworld was a pretty groundbreaking series of dungeon crawlers, too, but we won't talk about those today. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing, I don't remember if these guys were introduced in 4 or 5, but one thing we should probably mention is the Avatar's companions, who stayed the same for many games. Um, So there was Iolo, who was a bard, um, Shamino, who was a ranger, and Dupre, who was um, a warrior. And um, so these guys would end up in the Avatar's party a lot of the time or would help him with his quest and stuff. And so they got to be guys that you knew and they had their own theme songs and all this good stuff. Um, and they somehow, even though you've been thrown back in time and are going back and forth in time, somehow the three of these guys managed to make it through time as well. I don't remember if they ever explained that very well or not.
1: I, th- I think it was just sort of hand wave of side of side effect of being the avatar's buddy. It was that they didn't age as yeah. fast. Yeah. Something uh, like some boon from Lord British. Who is
4: yeah, all powerful and all wise.
1: Although that, that, that's another fun thing is figuring out how to kill Lord British in every game. <laughs> <laughs> Scott. Yeah. Do you remember, was it Ultima three in which the floor killed you? Yes, Ultima 3 was where the floor killed you. Yes, How did the that floor work? is the deadliest enemy of them all. Well, I
3: could it could have spikes though. on it. We... Hmm? Think about it, it could have spikes on it, or you could
1: fall on it. No, well, or... this, this, the, the whole floor <laughs> thing was a shout-out to um, a school of monster design from 2nd Edition ad and d was that you know basically you could there were monsters that just looked like innocuous objects including one that would look like the wall one that would look like the ceiling one that could look like a floor and then one that could look like walls and then a bunch of ones that would like cling to stalagmites and things so basically you could design a whole room where nothing in it is not a monster that wants to eat your face
4: (laughs) (laughs) that's very exciting I don't remember like, that part.
1: Including, like, a monster that would disguise itself as articles of clothing and then try and strangle you once you put them on. Mm-hmm. That's always nice. Like, the cursed pants were a serious problem. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think Ultima 5, no, maybe it was Ultima 6. There were one, either 5 or 6, um introduced some stuff that, that Nintendo probably would have um, censored like you could actually sleep with a prostitute
1: I think that might have been
0: 6
4: I think it might have been 6, yeah Well, Considering that Nintendo pretend.
0: removed the Puff Puff Girls from all the Dragon Quest games it released over here I think prostitutes would be long gone <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh,
0: yes, I, I just uh. remember
4: that um, in that same game at, at at one point you could actually play a female avatar and then they took her away and I was very sad um, and, and so that was that was my first instance of lesbian sex in a video game back in my impressionable <laughs> youth. <laughs> and I am just fine, thank you.
1: <laughs> I think that's for the listeners to decide if we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: so Ultima 6? I didn't play this one, so... Oh, Ultima, okay. Six.
4: Ultima 6 was awesome.
3: Yeah, it was
4: probably... This this one's probably the, the best one, I think. It was my favorite. Well, hello.
2: Yeah, hello. Most most
4: fans of the series either like six or seven best. I think I liked six best. It was less depressing.
1: <laughs> yeah, like six was actually this really cool moment at the beginning where it's like you you start out the demons the demony dudes from five capture you and they 're like we 're going to kill you because you took our stuff, and then some dudes save you, and then you realize that the, the demony dudes weren 't like actually demonic and that they have their own virtues that then you have to sort of unite both the gargoyles and Lord British in saving the world from something even worse. like I think, I think the space time continuum was going to collapse again was was the threat. <laughs>
0: yep
4: yeah they uh so basically you you discover that these demon guys are called the gargoyles, and they actually and they they're trying to take over, but it's because they think that you're the bad guy, and I think it wasn't just that you had done bad stuff, I think that all the people in on the human side of the world were not being very nice to the gargoyles
1: yeah, and that basically the whole game was spent figuring out their point of view and. Developing understanding and then forging peace with uh, between Lord British and the King of the Gargoyles.
4: Yep.
3: That's a in pretty far sighted goal.
1: Yeah. Like that that's the other thing about four, five and six that's sort of great in the series that it is not your traditional hero villain dynamic. Mm-hmm.
4: And um, this was also one of the ones that really started um, using sort of the living world concept that was really important for um, Ultima 6 and 7. Um, You had basically, you could pick up anything, you could use anything in the world, so you could pick up you know, dough and bake some bread in an oven. It didn't do anything practical for you, but it was kind of cool. And then you could eat the bread, but um, so they just had this whole world that you could explore and all this cool stuff you could do in the world. It led to lots of different ways you could exploit the game too, of course, but it was part of the fun.
1: Uh, This was also the first one to really use, uh, well, VGA graphics. And then you had different Then you had different scales of maps so that when you were on the overworld, it was a different scale, and then you'd step into a town, and then you'd see a different scale of your character and objects, and it was – that was, like, mind-blowing in Mm -hmm. 1990.
4: (laughs) Yeah, it was really, really um, technically advanced for that day. Of course, this was also the period of time in which you had to do quite the gymnastics to actually get the game to run in DOS. Oh, yeah. This was this, these, these, um, Ultima six, five, yeah, five through seven were the days of editing your high .sys and your auto .bat and initializing your sound blaster. And you'd start the game and the sound wouldn't work and you'd have to go back and edit your files again. And, um, I believe it was one of the Ultima six, um, spin offs that caused me to, um, Try to play with expanded memory, which caused my computer to spit Greek characters down the screen, and I had to resu- um, restore the whole f- hard drive from backup. That was exciting.
1: Yeah, like I, I think I ended up playing this in a collection on CD-ROM much later that did not have quite so fiddly bits.
4: Oh well, that's no fun then. I mean, half the half the fun was getting the damn thing to run. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that
1: that that's the that's what people say about Unix. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs>
4: Yeah. Oh right, you had a mouse friend in this game I'm looking through screenshots You had to meet a a cute little mouse And it would help you with some puzzles
0: Apparently this one got ported to the Super Nintendo Would would that have been
1: an okay version if they did it right? I can't remember hearing anyone say anything nice about the Super Nintendo version Okay, so obviously it wasn't done right
4: well, you definitely weren't um, having lesbian sex with prostitutes in that one no. oh, right Nintendo
1: censorship code you
0: can 't forget
4: that
1: <laughs> uh, especially especially during the nineties
4: now now granted, you did lose virtue points for doing that, so you know it yeah. wasn't something you were supposed to do as the avatar it 's just that you could
2: well worth it for a few well, measly that's, points
0: <laughs> think
1: about the, that's the thing about protesting games though is that it's not that you're supposed to it's that you can. <laughs>
4: I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, if there actually is a game in which you are rewarded for doing, I don't know, sleeping with every prostitute in a city and then becoming the leader of it because the prostitutes love your, love your way in bed so much, then that would be an interesting game. But it might <laughs> attract some protests.
4: That's yeah. definitely not the three ultimate games we're talking about right now.
0: Nope.
1: See, nope. no. so yeah, I just went off somewhere and I don't even know where it was. So let's go back. <laughs> Seven... The most confusing of the Ultima games, because I'm not sure which one's which.
2: Ooh, well, if we're going to go to well, seven, then I think that means Phil has that's to That's right. Written. we got to give it its official red carpet treatment, right?
1: Uh, All right.
2: Just, well, there are so many sevens to pick this was from, This is the two, start of there?
4: the Cataclysmic Trilogy.
2: Cataclysmic Trilogy. So, it's, wait Now, are we talking about seven, seven part two, and eight? Or are we talking about seven, eight, and nine? Let's just uh, talk about seven,
4: because it's different.
2: Okay, yeah. seven by itself. Then part two is yeah. later on, right? Yeah, because 7 was released in two parts,
0: and both of those parts had an expansion. Oh, boy. Well, we can
4: just talk about everything 7. Just don't go on to 8.
0: Okay. Since since it was eventually combined later on, but initially it was confusing.
2: Ultima 7, The Black Gate, was developed by Origin Systems, published by Origin Systems, and designed by Richard Garriott. Um, This was released on uh, DOS, and it says Others Through Exalt, whatever the heck that means. (laughs) This one is a single-player RPG, rated T for teen. That one actually got a rating on it. Uh, Ultima 7 Part 2, Serpent Isle, also developed and published by Origin Systems, designed by Warren Spector and Richard Garriott. And this one was released in 1993 on DOS. This is also rated T for T. And this one came on beautiful, gorgeous 5.25 and 3.5 quarter inch inch floppies. Woohoo! Later released on CD-ROM. (laughs) Now now you know we're moving up Is it five and a half inch or five and a quarter? Five and a quarter, quarter I got it mixed up It's five and a half and three and a quarter (laughs) Boy, can you remember the days when those things were like You were all excited because you had this three and a half uh, floppy That held around 700k You couldn't even get a whole meg on there You were just happy it could hold (laughs) Until they came with the high density ones That could hold like a meg and a half those were awesome. Yeah, that was like, oh my gosh.
3: And you needed like 20 of them to install a large game? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you'd have
2: a whole stack of them. You'd have stacks of the things mm-hmm. everywhere. And now, I was just talking with my boss about this the other day. Now you get this like 16-gig stick that would literally hold like 1,700 of those things <laughs> for like 30 bucks. It's just scary. Hold
4: on. Actually, the best Again, thing about the the 3 and 5... all
2: the going, what are they talking about?
4: The best thing about the three point five inch discs was it was a lot harder for your little sister to destroy them. That was at least that was for me.
1: Anyone course, remember zip discs and how like when they ejected out of the drive you were worried that it would like sever your fingers?
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a zip disc briefly, talk about a bad investment.
1: hmm Oh. Uh, anyway,
4: Ultima Seven.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep.
4: So this was um uh, the start of uh the ultimate series getting pretty darn serious. Um, it's also not approved by Tom Cruise.
0: No. <laughs> the, when we, you you come back so, to to uh, what about Scientology to... does it address?
4: Huh?
0: It addresses something from Scientology. Yeah, yes. the bad guys are based on Scientology. Oh, okay, I forgot that.
4: Yeah, you come back to – so this one was kind of a leap forward in time. So up until now, things have been kind of medieval in Britannia. Now you Britannia is practically Renaissance era, and they've got like street lamps and all this stuff. So it was a, um, a big technological change in the world. But you come back, and there's this benevolent order called the Fellowship um, coming around and, and helping everybody out. But, of course, you start to notice that they've got some sinister stuff behind them
1: that and i think the game outright tells you up front that they're doing something sinister like in the opening cutscene
4: does it i don't remember that
1: <laughs> like i i, I think even... it totally undermines the mystery plot in the in the opening cutscene of uh, <laughs> part 1
4: well you know <laughs> i just remember being sad because i couldn't be a female avatar in this one all of a sudden i had sex changed back into a male avatar
3: and well, that happens when you're the Avatar. Sometimes these things just happen.
4: <laughs> yeah, because they didn't want to make more than one monster.
3: <laughs> yeah, probably.
4: <laughs> but I was sad anyway. I don't want to be a stupid blonde dude.
3: You could just imagine that it's a very masculine woman. No, there. not really. No. <laughs> yeah.
4: But yeah, they they also um, – this one was the one with the super, super living world where you could move everything around. Um, unfortunately, your inventory was like a basket and you would just throw like the icons of goods in there. So you would end up with this inventory and you'd have to like literally sift through everything to find what you were looking for in your inventory. Excuse me. Yeah. In, one, in one sense, it was kind of cool. But in another sense, it was kind of unwieldy. <laughs>
3: Yeah.
1: Um trying to think what else it added. Um this was the point where I started to get really annoyed with uh, the NPC NPCs in the world because um like you're walking around, you're the avatar. Everyone's got a picture of you on their wall. Like you're the you, you are the the major religious figure in Britannia and no one wants to help you do anything. Like it's like I'm the goddamned avatar. I just want a discount on swords. Help me out. I'm doing something good for you. No? Fine. (laughs) Leaving. Yes, well. (laughs) But, um... This is a plot point. This is something in RPGs that bugs me. It's like, yes, everyone knows I'm the chosen one. Give me a leg up here.
2: Yep.
0: Was this intentional on the part of the game developers
1: or is this just easy? No, this is this is the GM making you feel important without actually giving you any benefits for it.
4: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But uh here here's uh Wikipedia talking about the way the game world was made it was possible to bake bread to forge weapons to milk cows to play musical instruments and even to change a baby swaddling did you need to change a baby swaddling absolutely not but it was pretty cool I don't think I ever tried to do that actually
1: <laughs> I think I re- I think I realized that once I realized that if you drank enough uh like beer you'd vomit I think I did that a bunch of times <laughs> Yeah, you could get drunk. You
4: could also do bad things in this game, and it wouldn't make the game impossible to finish, but people would not like you very much if you did them.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Anyway.
4: So so there's a big bad guy in this one um, called the Guardian, and he's the guy behind the Fellowship. Um, And he's like this giant red face. I think one of our forumers on Gamer actually has him as their forum avatar.
1: Yeah, yeah um, he does.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh, the Throne of, Throne of Dervaris, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, yes. I think
4: so. So if you want to know what the Guardian looks like, look at Throne of Dervaris on our forums. Um, <laughs> and so he's this incredibly powerful dude who likes to destroy worlds, and he's also really smart. Um, and things don't end up turning out too well for your poor buddies in this game. Um. <laughs> yeah, so Iolo is kind of a drunken lush, the bard. Shimino I think he's still okay, but Shimino's just kind of a dude. He never had that much personality compared to the rest. And I believe Dupré eventually ends up sacrificing himself and dying. So, yeah. I was kind of I was I was kind of depressed by this game. <laughs>
2: Nice working for the avatars. Never had more fringe benefits.
4: Yeah, exactly. Mm. And uh well, you start the whole thing by investigating a grisly murder. So it was some of the more, I think, probably the the most um, bloody scenes in any RPG to date. It certainly wouldn't hold up to Mortal Kombat, which everyone was busy
2: talking about at the time. But yeah, well, sounds pretty m- macabre.
4: Yeah, it was. It got pretty serious.
2: So was – so, I mean, do you end up doing, like, a lot of investigating? Is there, is there investigation mechanics of some sort involved, or is it just talking to a lot of people?
4: You have to do conversations and solve quests, and you can also fix the problems in all of the towns, and you're trying to, like, get rid of the Fellowship's influence. So um, I think you end up doing quests that prove to the towns that the Fellowship are bad and then they get ticked off at you and then you have to go after them and then you meet the gu- and then you meet the guardian and he kicks Dupre's ass and i think you managed to kick him out of Britannia dang yeah
2: snap snap crack a lamp pop
4: <laughs> yep <laughs> and i don't think i i'm trying to remember yeah i never i didn't have enough allowance money to buy the later parts of the game so that this, I was describing basically the, the original game. I don't know if any of you guys got to play like Serpent Isle Black and all that Gate. stuff.
0: Black Gate was talking. the original version, right, or release? Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah I, I played the Black Gate,
0: but not as expansion I, or Serpent Isle. Yeah.
4: No, because I was depressed enough by the Black Gate, and I didn't have enough allowance money. <laughs>
0: yeah, Well, maybe Scott can tell us if it got any more
1: uplifting in Serpent Isle. I don't think. I think I only played the Black Gate. I don't think I actually played Serpent Isle. I'm trying to remember. Okay. Wikipedia, do your remindy <laughs> thing.
2: Wikipedia. <laughs> well, I... I'm
1: guessing this is one monster of a game.
2: Yeah,
4: because Ultima 7 itself, the Black Gate was huge. Like, the thing about the, the whole. All of the middle Ultima games was that the world was really gigantic. And I remember in. I think it was in Ultima 7 where I eventually um, just went onto a bulletin board system or something and found a code that would let you teleport around the world and did that because I was tired of walking from one end of the world to the other to try to
2: solve it. Hmm. It does sound like uh, you know it just does sound like Richard Garriott though, you know, putting a lot of things, uh, trying to come up with something really big and huge, and get, mm-hmm. putting together two separate you know, quote-unquote, halves of a game with all these expansions sounds pretty big.
4: Yeah, well, the man was definitely a visionary in terms of, of computer gaming. I think he's a little a little off now in terms of what he thinks things should be doing, but back then he did things pretty
3: well.
0: Yeah. Well, right now he's a man who is willing to pay millions of
1: dollars to go fly into space. Okay. More than millions.
3: Tens of millions. I, yeah.
1: <laughs> I did not play The Serpent Isle, but apparently it is only Ultima 7 Part 2 because they use the same source code as the Black Gate. And Gary, it's weird in that if, if, if it, for it to count as a sequel, it has to have entirely new code. Oh, of course.
4: Well, it does continue this story to a certain extent. Like, you're chasing after the human guy who was in charge of the Fellowship and ran away to Serpent Isle. So it's tangentially cre- um, connected, at least.
1: Yeah, but then again, the plot of two, three, one, two, and three were all pretty tight together, and those were not. It was not Ultima One Part Two.
4: <laughs> no. With a
1: later Ultima Two. <laughs> yeah, didn't play so. Did definitely didn't play the Serpent Isle.
3: Yeah, neither did I. Yeah, uh, I still had my old computer at that point, so I was still Apple II seeing it, basically back then. Yeah, I didn't have anything to run anything around that time.
2: (laughs) Well, I like what it says uh, here on the uh, internet. The game's tone is notably sad and billius whatever the heck that means. The Avatar follows Britland to a land called Serpentine uh, Serpent Isle, where the natural order has been upset. Magical storms ravage the land, heralding its imminent destruction, although most people are unaware of their meaning. The storyline he- heavily hinges on loss, ruin, and past tragedies. Over the course of the game, most inhabitants of Serpent Isle are killed. An entire sentient species, the friendly and peaceful Galani, is made extinct, and one of the Avatar's long standing companion sacrifices his life for good it just seems like it carries on the tradition of the first half
4: (laughs) yeah i I thought no i'm I'm pretty sure dupre died in the black gate itself because i remember him dying and i was like hey
2: (laughs) that's that's what we need in our our more rpgs um more um death and sacrifice and and, and genocide. I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah. All this, all this, the world is magically made good once you kill the final boss. That needs to go away. You need to have unleashed a whole new spate of problems and never resolve anything. Finally.
4: In other words, you need to play The Witcher.
2: Yes, there you go. All right, The Witcher exactly. carries on to this brand tradition, and oh boy, no, no, we're not. Except gonna get... you
4: also get to, you know. Make love with many beautiful. That's ladies right. Sack them, ladies.
2: Like oh boy, there's <laughs> there's a silver lining on the dark clouds in The Witcher, at least. You know. <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> I might have just watched that whole race get genocide, but hey, I've got seven sack cards in my back pocket. Yes. Nintendo can't censor that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> <to> this, Nintendo. <laughs> oh boy. So. But, you know
4: i think that these the all three of these games the the or all four of these games 4 through 7 um were definitely considered some of the biggest classics um in terms of of, of rpgs and unfortunately the graphics are really dated at this point um although 7 still look okay um but the earlier ones are are pretty
2: pretty dated looking yeah, well and and 7 uh, to a lot of people uh 7 and serpent uh, isle are really considered the best ultima you know game of all time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's it's definitely uh one to to check out and just let you know just reading that one little thing about the story makes it kind of intriguing. I mean Oh yeah. If you need no, to s- it was
4: good. It was just depressing. <laughs>
2: Um, and then you have the Silver Seed expansion, uh, which uh, apparently uh, added the, the story arc to the game in which the party visits a subterranean keep in the ancient civilization of Serpent Isle. Uh, the Avatar is given an amulet by Zinkhan monks when he or she first visit Monk Isle, um, either by death or by physically going there. And after using the amulet of one of the uh, Serpent Gates, the subquest begins. Um, you get a lot of really magical, powerful items from I Understand, and in later releases of the game, the expansion pack was included, um, so you can get them both if you've you got a good CD-ROM and emulator or something DOS emulator. Uh, can,
4: well, I think they may actually. There, there are rumors about that Ultima may be coming to um, good old games sometime in the nearish future.
3: So Ooh, that'd be nice. That would it's, be nice. It's a,
4: it's a possibility. Although the Ultima series does have a whole lot of publishing craziness around it. Yeah. Um it was about in this time um when these games were coming out that um Richard Garriott and Origin Systems were starting to have financial issues and publishing issues. Um and that's that will go into when um what happened with Ultima 8 and 9.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cuz wasn't there originally going to be an Ultima 10 only it never happened.
4: Yeah. Well, because Ultima 9 was a piece of crap. Um <laughs> But it's also notable that um, Warren, Spe- Warren Spector was one of the designer, main lead designers on Ultima 7. So this is kind of where he cut his teeth in game design, which is kind of cool. He's the Deus Ex guy, for those of you who are not big PC gamers.
1: Deus Ex yeah. and Thief.
4: And Thief, yes.
1: Freaky. Thief is awesome. <laughs>
4: yes. Yeah. So you can sort of see that whole morally ambiguous thing that was going through Ultima 7. Got carried forward into his other games. So if you think that this game was too dark, you can probably blame Warren Spector.
2: Hey, Becky, did you mention how, did, did anybody mention how Serpent Isle came to existence? No. I Just just reading this here, I think it's a little little interesting. Uh, they say here uh, that back in Ultima 1, uh, one section of the game role was known as, quote, the Lands of Danger and Despair. Uh, Shamino, a recurring character in the Ultima series, was the ruling lord here. The Lands of Danger and Despair vanished during the cataclysmic events of the first trilogy, and that became Serpent Isle, separated from Britannia as it has been known since Ultima 4.
4: Huh. Yeah, so basically, Serpenile like went way back and brought in stuff from the, fir- the original trilogy, and apparently, actually gave Shimino a backstory which he didn't really have before. So <laughs>
2: It says, uh, much later, Serpent Isle was resettled by humans who had left Britannia voluntarily or been exiled. Many of them referred to Lord British as Beast British, and it had a very low opinion of the Britannian king. After he united the lands and with the establishment of the Eight Virtues, those unhappy with his rule joined together uh, from three cip- cities and fled to Serpent Isle. Unlike Britannia, which has eight cities representing the Eight Virtues of the Avatar, Serpent Island all, um, has three city-states, each with their own beliefs, warped Versions of the Britannia principles of truth, love, and courage.
4: So, in this in this game, Lord British questions himself. Fascinating. <laughs> because, it, it, well, it is kind of interesting because in previous games, yeah. Lord British was like, "I'm the dude,"
0: you know. Is this like those Simpsons episodes where they where the kids at Sunday school keep asking, "Could God create a corn dog so big even God couldn't eat it all?"
4: <laughs> possibly. <laughs> possibly.
2: Those from the city of Moon, later known as Moonglow, built Moonshade, where only mages ruled and Mundanes were an inferior servant class. Instead of truth, they strove for power. Those from the city of Fawn established a new city, also named Fawn, championing beauty above all else instead of love. And those from the twin cities of Montor established Monitor, a warrior culture of obs- Obstin Oh my God! I can't say that word. Based on nightly. Thank you. Based on knightly <laughs> courage, but rife with intrigue and betrayal. <laughs> well, I don't. I like these three cities. Why, why would we want? Yeah, lie? actually, that's- especially well, the one that about sounds beauty. Like an
4: interesting game.
2: Yeah, for, forget about love. I can have beauty. Hello. It's just. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I knew
4: not enough allowance money. After, I never got to see it.
2: After the Avatar destroys the Black Moon Gate that the Guardian was coming through at the end of Ultima 7, uh, uh, Batlin, the Guardian's right-hand man, flees to Serpent Isle, where Lolo's wife, Gweno, had previously ventured. Eighteen months later, Lord British sends the Avatar and three of his companions, Sir uh, Dupre the Knight, uh, Shamino the Ranger, and Lolo the Bard, to Serpent Isle in pursuit of Batlin.
4: So. Huh, I guess I, I guess Dupre got brought back, maybe only to die again. I don't know. Oh well, <laughs> Poor <die>. guy.
2: <laughs> again and again and again.
4: <laughs> At any rate, so yeah, um, these were the main games in the system. Shall we talk about the inevitable decline and fall of the Ultima series now?
2: Kind of sounds like uh, the Might and Magic series, where after seven, it just all goes downhill.
4: <laughs> well, except it went downhill in an interesting and very different way from from the Might and Magic series.
2: Well, let's see here. We'll start that off with uh, Ultima 8 Pagan. And it's got that really nice uh, demonic star circle dealie on the front. Makes you feel all warm yep. and cozy inside. Developed by and published by Origin Systems once again. Designed by Richard Garriott. Uh, this was a DOS game released on March fifteenth, nineteen 1994. A single player RPG rated M for Mature. That's right. It coming had a mature rating in ninety four. Mature rating coming in on those three and a half inch floppies and CD ROMs. It was probably rated on some sort of CD re release later on or something.
0: But I'm probably. sure. Well, Gary was responsible for the development. How did it go wrong?
2: Yeah, how could that happen with Richard Garriott at the helm?
4: Well, Richard Garriott was actually, from what I've read, more interested in Ultima Online at the time. Um, and apparently everyone had decided that the RPG genre was going downhill and nobody wanted to play traditional RPGs anymore, so they made Pagan into kind of an action-platformer-type game.
2: Uh huh.
4: And apparently it's not bad if you wanted to play an action-platformer-type game with ancient technology, which was not ancient at the time, but, you know, is now. Um, But most of the fans of the series were like, what the hell is this? I refused to buy it. So I, I I protested by refusing to touch the thing.
3: <laughs>
4: Did anyone play it?
3: No. Nope. <laughs> Not me. Uh...
4: <laughs> Apparently we all protested by refusing to buy it. This may
0: this may explain why it took so long for Ultima Nine to be released.
4: Among other reasons, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
4: In fact, Wikipedia outright says that Garriott delegated most of the work to others in this series, and he's, he explains that he sacrificed everything to appease the stockholders, which was a mistake, mm-hmm. and they probably shipped it for three months unfinished. Hmm. Also, he doesn't have a party. Stepping into any water would kill you by drowning, even if it was a puddle. All well, sorts of great stuff. <laughs> we'll
2: set up the, the plot here, uh, borrowing quite liberally and heavily from our good friends at Wikipedia. Uh, as far as the plot goes, following the defeat of the charismatic religious uh, leader, uh, Batlin on Serpent Isle. The Guardian uh, banishes the Avatar to a world uh, that he has already conquered. Pagan. Ultima 8 has a much darker tone and a very different premise in comparison with most of the Ultima games. The world of Pagan is entirely different of that of Britannia. The virtues were not part of Pagan's culture, and the mag- magic system and monsters are entirely different. The world of Pagan uh, is in eternal twilight as the result of an ancient battle between the Elemental Titans and the Evil Destroyer, which resulted in the victory of the Titans. However, the people of Pagan had to pay a high price. The Titans had to henceforth be worshipped as gods. The Titans bestow powers on their most ardent followers, but they are otherwise cruel and unloving rulers. And their fellow or followers terrorized the general population. Ultima eight sets off where seven ended. The Guardian had grasped the Avatar from the void and now drops him into the sea of the world of pagan through a pentagram shaped portal. In the introduction, the Guardian reveals his plot. You have been a thorn in my side for far too long, Avatar. Your two worlds will be crushed, Britannia first, then Earth. I shall parade you before their conquered peoples, a fallen idol, a pathetic ideal. I banish you to the world of Pagan. No one here knows of the Avatar. The Avatar regains consciousness on the shore after being rescued from the sea by a fisherman who turns out to be an important character later on. He soon witnesses the execution uh, by uh, by beheading of a townsman ordered by the tyrannic ruler of the region, Mordea. Later, visiting the wizard Mithrin, he learns that there are four titans on Pagan, each one having one of the elements as his domain water, air, fire, and earth. The more privileged followers of Lithos are identified as necromancers, the follower pyres of sorcerers, etc., etc. Apart from those, a fifth type of magic known as uh, Thought. Dalmaturgy Thank you Exist and pioneered by Mithrin In order to escape Pagan The Avatar has to overcome many obstacles And master the ways of all Titans Finally becoming the Titan of Ether The magical field and Fifth Element Oh my god it's like the Fifth Element movie all over again Yes But the Avatar is not nearly that sexy That's true During his quest the Avatar collects four artifacts of the Titans Unleashes violent thunderstorms, hurricanes, earthquakes and meteor showers these artifacts allow him to enter the eth- uh, eth- Ethereal Plane and defeat the Titans on their own turf. The Avatar then reconstructs the original Black Rock Gate that originally allowed the Guardian to enter Pagan. By entering the reconstructed Gate, the avatar is teleported back to Britannia, which is now ruled by the Guardian. Do-do-do. Do-do-do. I, I, like I like this uh, quote by Garrett Yawar mentioned this earlier, but in this part of the series, of Delia must have worked together. Garrett later explained, I sacrificed Everything to appease stockholders, which was a mistake. We probably shipped it three months unfinished.
4: The thing is, even if they had worked on it for three more months, it was just too different and not RPG enough for the fans of the series. And it, you know, it didn't have the moral ambiguity, it was a pretty linear storyline. Like, it just didn't have the stuff that the fans of the series liked in the first place. So. I don't think even it being more polished would have helped. Yeah.
0: Now, now who were his stockholders at this point? EA didn't own the Ultima franchise yet, right? Not yet.
4: Yeah, I was never entirely clear exactly what was happening in Origin Systems at the time. Mm.
0: Because, yeah, stockholders tend to to want money above all else, and trying something new is rarely the way to convince stockholders, hey, this will make money. Because everybody likes to go for the new and unique thing. My guess is the stockholders were saying, get your damn game out. <laughs>
4: and that's what he was talking about, not so much that the game was different.
2: So you
1: had uh... Oh, no, EA did own them at this point.
0: You know, you had a number of complaints. Oh, uh, 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 yes. EA, always known for its friendliness towards RPGs. Oh,
2: absolutely. You had a lot of complaints about the game, the world being smaller, fewer NPCs to act with, the normal NPC portraits no longer included. Uh, the game went back from the party concept to the lone hero the first two Ultimate games. Um, you just mentioned before the stepping in water <laughs> kills you instantly by drowning. This includes even small puddles. <laughs> Um, battles against enemies Characters as hack and slash mouse clicking uh, Resembles more like Diablo than, anything, than any You know I guess other Ultima games uh, Poor game pal- balance uh, Platform style running in fact Apparently uh, uh, long time Ultima fans Jokingly refer to Ultima 8 as uh, Super Avatar Brothers <laughs> In reference to the <laughs> Overabundance of platform jumping puzzles <laughs> but Does that mean the avatar Can jump on enemy heads Who knows so, and major holes in a blot and lots of bugs and glitches that were later patched, but only after the damage to the reputation to Ultima series had been done. So if I may... BioWare,
3: BioWare, BioWare. Hear this
4: voice from the past, past, past. <laughs> Electronic Arts is not always your friend, friends. Okay <laughs> But yeah Electronic Arts did own Origin it, they, it was sold to them in 1992 According to Richard Garriott's Wikipedia page What would we do without Wikipedia?
2: And it it, it, it only gets worse Because Ultima 9 Ascension Was published by EA <laughs> developed, not developed
4: by Richard Garriott
2: <laughs> Developed by Origin Systems Published and distributed by EA uh, designed by Richard Garriott, but it also says Seth Mill, something rather, Brian Martin, and John Zerplatton. So you know when you got these other names next to Richards who you don't know who the hell they are. Uh, yeah, that, that doesn't start yeah, chopping I- a good foot.
0: They probably yeah, came with EA's really strong recommendation. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> like, we won't publish this unless you follow our recommendation type of strong recommendation. Uh, this was released for Windows 95 in 1999 and rated M for Mature, distributed via CD-ROMs.
0: Now, uh, apparently, Becky, Ultima 9 is roughly on the level of Might and Magic 9 for series denouement. Would that be accurate? Yes,
4: I played part of it until I couldn't stand it anymore.
0: That's a bad sign.
4: Yeah. Well, what I couldn't stand anymore was the horrible, horrible story and terrible voice acting and the cheesy, cheesy, cheesy romance. Like the avatar, the avatar had never had a romance before and that was probably a good thing. <laughs> because in this story it was really stupid super stupid and cheesy and the avatar did have a romance but it was like a romance of the
2: oh avatar you're so strong
4: (laughs) it was terrible
2: i just love your
4: virtues (laughs) yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'd forgotten about those at this point. This it was just not that great. Uh, this was not the original Ultima Nine that was even supposed to happen. Apparently, uh, originally Richard Garriott had wanted this game to take place in the Guardian's home world, where you would finally beat up the Guardian, but that didn't even happen. <laughs> so you were just you're just back in Britannia. Hmm.
0: Doing yeah. what aside from romancing a, a very, very vapid woman.
2: No, I
4: don't even remember
2: Well, apparently the beginning of Ultima 9 The Avatar had somehow returned to Earth For an unspecified amount of time Before getting back to Britannia The game starts just after the end of 8 In which the Avatar is transported To the Guardian-controlled Britannia He arrives on a mountain Overlooking the Guardian's keep in Turfin The Avatar is transported to Stonegate By Hawken the Seer from Ultima 4 Who informs him that great columns Have appeared throughout the land And their malignant influence has caused plagues, famine, and other natural disasters. Under their power, the people of Britannia have twisted the virtues into mockeries of their true meaning. The Guardian is by Lord Black- Blackthorn, while wow, that's a pleasant name, who leads the Worm Guards and forces the people to obey the Guardian. As the quest progresses, the Avatar learns that the Guardian has stole the runes of virtues and twisted them into the glyphs that form the heart of each of the columns. Most of the game consists of traveling through the dungeons to recover the glyphs and visiting the Shrine of Virtues to meditate and cleanse them. Eventually it's revealed that the guardian's nothing uh, nothing other than the dark half of the Avatar himself and the only way to save Britannia is for the Avatar to ascend to a higher plane, taking the Guardian with him. The player is able oh, to accomplish this via an Armageddon spell cast behind a barrier of life, which takes the Avatar and the Guardian to a higher plane out of Britannia.
4: Yeah. Okay. So, basically it Took, it went from, you know, a series of games that had some interesting moral dilemmas and interesting themes, went and recycled the theme from, well, went from uh, what was it, Ultima Five where you had to fight against Blackthorn, took that story, threw the Guardian in, and yeah, blew everything up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
4: like that
0: conclusion, which essentially says, good and evil cannot coexist, they must destroy each other.
3: Mm-mm-mm. Boom! Boom!
4: Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty. I remember that for the time. The graphics were nice. <laughs>
3: well, that's but that good? That really
4: wasn't enough.
0: Because, <laughs> as we all know, playing games ba- just for their graphics will always satisfy. They will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They will. Just think how pretty those PS One launch games were. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs>
3: uh-huh.
0: I didn't even I don't like. I think how pretty Final Fantasy VII is now.
2: <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> but I love watching Knights of the Round over
2: and <laughs> over and
3: over.
4: <laughs> so anyway, after this game was released, Richard Garriott took his toys and went home, and then went on to helm several completely unsuccessful MMORPGs, and now he just goes into space.
3: Yeah, he and- also collects automata. Which, uh, anybody out there should like, uh, YouTube, uh, Richard Garriott and Automata, or Richard Garriott and, um uh, he was on the, uh, oh, what's her name, was in prison for stock insider trading. Yeah, Martha, Martha Stewart. She was on Martha, Martha Stewart. He was on Ma- Martha Stewart for, uh, showing off his little toy automata.
2: Yeah. Fun stuff. Hey. Apparently,
3: has the largest collection of automata in the world. Hmm. Well,
2: At the time of its release, according to Wikipedia, many fans felt the game was unfinished and not as polished as the early Ultimas were. One of the chief criticisms of Ultima 9 was that the story did not do justice to the continuity of the earlier parts of the series. Apparently, the game's plot had many inconsistencies that the fans of the series had refused to accept into Ultima canon. It's always great when the fans are sitting there telling the uh, game creators that their stuff can't be part of the canon. We're sorry. (laughs) The game was said to uh, be made to attract a more general gaming audience who had you know little or no knowledge of the previous ultima so many of the facts and stuff from the earlier games were just pretty much thrown out uh while others were altered to totally suit this uh, new plot line of course uh, that's going to make long term fans really cranky and even more you know ticked off about the whole thing um, on top of them just finding other, you know, errors in the game and whatnot. So with 8 being considered a failure and with the weak sales, uh, the poor reception of 9 pretty much killed off, as we all know, uh, the Ultima franchise. Uh, other Ultimate projects that were in works at the time were pretty much uh, canceled, and there were no other Ultima games after this one, uh, save, for, save for those expansion packs that come out for UO even to this day. <laughs> um, they were, they, I think
4: one of the, like... We were talking about sort of how we previously did the rise and fall of the Might and Magic series. This one fell for a different reason. Might and Magic fell to, you know, repeated iteration and not innovating at all. I think the problem with Richard Garrett and the Ultima series was Richard Garrett's vision was and, and, and still is just a few steps ahead of where current technology allows us to develop. And he could do okay in the 90s. Um, it still wasn't super, super expensive to develop games, but once games started getting more and more expensive to develop, nobody could quite keep up with his vision, and um, even in the MMORPGs he tried to do, the reality of what could come out of his vision just was just didn't cut the mustard. And so I think, that unfortunately, that's why the series couldn't make it anymore. And, so instead, um, he
0: decided to go fly into the Soyuz space station instead of developing more Ultima games. Oh, yeah. Okay.
3: He was also, Ultima online-, <laughs> heroes.
4: Ultima online made him very, very wealthy, so <laughs> he has the money to go to space. Oh, so,
3: so did his last MMO that failed. What was that? He, uh, he um, sued Incisoft for it because they said he said that he they owed him like $100 million or something like that, and he won. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, that would have been
1: Tabula Rasa.
3: Yeah, Tabula Rasa?
0: Rasa.
1: Now, there's another yeah. one he's
4: done that also failed.
1: Mm. <laughs> uh- lineage 2 I don't know.
4: No. No, he had yeah. nothing to do with that, I don't think.
1: No, he's he's credited as an executive producer.
4: Oh, lineage oh. 2. Okay.
1: Well, okay, yeah, lineage two, two, 2 and
2: Heroes,
4: But he didn't develop it. He produced it. That's different.
2: <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I don't know if he developed another game if he'd be able um you know, if he'd be able to get somebody to pick it up and develop it, right? You know, because uh, after those last few bombed out so bad, <laughs> even if he came to the team and say, "Hey, I've got this," <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure who'd run with it. Okay, here's here's
4: here's to show what happened to the poor guy. He managed to get Harry Potter Online canceled in 2000. Nice. You have to mess up pretty big to get somebody to cancel Harry Potter Online in the year I don't 2000. Know.
3: I don't know, like, did anyone, this is slightly off-topic, but the, the, Tabula Rasa wasn't a bad game, I just don't think it had a very big market. It was kind of a strange thing. I heard it
4: just wasn't very good, honestly.
3: Well, it had, like, this is a completely off-tanded game, but it had, like, this dynamic battlefield thing, the battlefield would change, and it was pretty much a third-person shooter that was an MMO Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, it's something you would have to get a crowd for. You, no normal MMO player could just go into it and like it. So, <laughs>
4: yeah, and I, I, that's, I think his vision for Tabularosa again was yeah. bigger than what the technology of the time could handle. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. and people didn't really know how to make action MMOs work yet, and they're still working on that. So,
0: yeah, that mm-hmm. may be a tangent, but where else are we going to get to talk about Richard Garriott's material? Hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-mm-mm. Well, you know, as much as as these bombed, and it's a conversation for another day. But um, obviously, Ultima Online has been successful on a number of different levels, and it's got to be. Gosh, I, I think it'd be hard pressed to find an MMO that's been running longer than Ultima that's still actually running, because it still, still is.
3: Is, is Meridian Fifty Nine still around? I mean, like, <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> oh, so. Oh yeah. Oh, there's a. That- just- there's an official website for it, I just
2: googled it. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yes! You can
3: play Radiant 59, it is.
2: Yay! <That> was... <laughs> Um, so any, well, let's go around the table and get your final thoughts on Ultima and, uh, let's just cross our fingers and presume for a minute that, uh, they'll be coming out on GOG. So talk to the audience as well as which ones you think they should, uh, dive into if the whole series, maybe they'll pull a Might and Magic and release the whole series as one. Uh, one package or something along those lines like they did with my Magic 1 through 6 or whatever have you So, um, and this is such a meaty series we'll give each one of you actually 90 seconds instead of the normal 30 seconds Woo-hoo! we're going to start off with Mr. Self, go Uh, I, have, I would say that
3: I, I never played any of the later ones which is the ones that most people like but I would say at least try some of the middle range ones not the early ones and not the later ones uh but you know you should play them cuz they're they're very different. They were some of the well maybe some of the first RPGs outside of like Wizardry that even existed. And if you can manage to get through the archaicness of them, they're, they're pretty fun and enjoyable. Hmm.
2: okay, Miss Becky.
4: Well, Ultima series was really um one of the most important RPG series ever and laid the foundation Not just for the basic mechanics of RPGs, but a lot of the concepts behind RPGs that have been made by modern companies like BioWare and Bethesda and now CD Projekt, Um, you know, without the morality ideas and the open world that you can explore. Like, all of those things are such important concepts to modern RPGs that it's really an important sort of thing to, to look back And The games are good in, the, in and of themselves as well. Um, they've got interesting puzzles and interesting worlds, um, and they cover a lot of topics that, as I said, we still don't always, game, game makers are still not always mature enough to handle. So, oh, and if you're playing them, I would do four through seven.
2: <laughs> and last but not least, Mr. Wacomateur.
1: All right, I I think f- uh, four, five, and six are probably the most interesting uh, computer RPGs, at least in terms of uh, uh, thematically, and are well worth uh, the time and uh, the the, ga- the game the alt tabbing to GameFAQs uh, to figure it all out. Uh, seven is definitely solid. Uh, I'm I'm sort of hoping it ends up on GOG just to. Uh, actually play the whole thing of seven at some point and uh like th- that said though i don't think it's quite worth the effort to go and figure out you know dos emulation to get these things running on a current computer so so if it never happens on gog don't go hunting either
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um and yeah d- there's a lot of um i mean i was just doing some searching while you guys were talking there's a lot of uh uh, discussion and whatnot on there. So, um, someone does mention that Ultima Four is freeware, but yeah, I think just getting that stuff to work on uh, on on through like a DOSBox emulator on your own is pretty tough. That's why I buy most well, of my it's... games on GOG because I don't have to mess with that stuff. I mean,
3: if you really want the truncated versions, you just could try the console versions. I mean, you could probably pick up you know three and four. True, or, true. I mean, they exist. Ultima Four was for Master System. It was also for NES, I believe. Nah, play five and six and seven were on super nintendo which they're probably not great but you know at least it's something
2: yeah it's much easier to get those to work on the nes or <laughs> emulator uh than it is to you know probably try to get dos boss to work with all the proper cd whatever's loaded and uh, whatnot. i wouldn't
4: even try i mean it was yeah. hard enough back in yeah. the day when i remembered the commands
2: <laughs> yep um. Okay, well, sounds fair enough And while we cross our fingers And hope that those good ones come out on GOG We're going to let you all listen to This musical section We'll be right back a cartoon
1: what <laughs> apparently this exists
4: uh, I bet every week the avatar learns a a very helpful lesson that can be applied to your elementary school life
2: oh boy so
0: we need to wrap yeah, this up compassion is a good virtue but you shouldn't give all of your food away or else you might starve so don't go raiding the closet of your mom just to go provide things for the homeless people
3: Mm. Well, oh, I
4: should I should mention one thing in conclusion, um, because we've totally skipped it. Um, we've been talking on the um, on the our, on the forum thread about the um, Uematsu interview about older music, and um, the Ultima series actually has some of the um, best older music in PC RPGs. Some tunes that I still get stuck in my head these days. So there's another interesting thing to uh, check out if you look at the middle Ultima games.
2: Mm. Well, mm. um, well. Let's uh, with that. Let's get this uh, fun lap wrapped up. Um, first, we want to tell everybody that our next show is going to be about something that Miss Becky likes to talk about a lot. What would that be, Miss Becky?
0: Rune Factory.
2: Rune Factory. That's... And even though
0: she's on vacation, Miss Marcello
2: loves Rune Factory so much. She's going to come back too. Nice. Now, um, uh, Sam, there might be actually some people who don't even know what Rune Factory is and whether or not they should listen to that backtrack. What is Rune Factory?
4: Rune Factory is Harvest Moon with cool stuff thrown in, like dungeons and monsters.
2: And caves, oh my. I mean, <laughs> Monsters and caves, oh my. If, if uh, There was a lot of people that when I talk to about the Harvest Moon series, they say, oh, that sounds boring, I'm just going to farm and talk to girls, and oh my gosh, that, that would put me to sleep. Well, guess what? They heard you. Now you can plant your farms, talk to girls, get put to sleep, and do Zelda like adventures all at the same time. Yep. So you gotta go and uh you gotta go and check that out. Um let's see, we had some uh we have some uh comments, uh Mr. Minky, about the, our Xeno was it Xeno gears, right? No, it was Valkyrie Valkyrie Profile, profile my bad, sorry. It's <laughs> been doing this for too long.
3: Oh
2: boy These things happen. They do, they do. Legendary Sultan Road. Yes,
0: half of them dealt with the. For everyone listening, this is good to know that iTunes RSS feed does not like the ampersand. Mm -hmm. It hates the ampersand so much that it will break your RSS feed if you put an ampersand onto the page. So don't do it.
2: Don't yep, don't do it. We can't even do that whole ampersand thing in the show anymore. Just (laughs) breaks it. Just absolutely not. Yeah, maybe you'll have to go with. Exclamation point!
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um. So, <laughs> uh, Let's see, talking about the the show itself, Nick's apologized for the quality of her voice. She was ill and on medication when we recorded this. She also apologized for making a few errors. Although, considering she hadn't played the game in years, I think what she recalled from memory was pretty darn good. Um. Ria Reisender came in to say that Ragnarok Online is his favorite MMORPG after all these years, which is completely inappropriate and shows that he only looked at the title and not at the content of our last backtrack. (laughs) Um, and yes, I really should have ended my reading of the RPG backtrack bulletin with this message will self-destruct. Sadly, I forgot.
2: (laughs) Oh my goodness gracious! Um, uh, let's see here. What else do we have? We also had um, uh, we also had some uh, you know comments uh, from Shadow forty six ninety nine, and, and it proves this just proves uh, Mr. Minky that if we want people to post yes, and so talk about
0: apparently uh, Shadow four six nine nine finds it inexplicable that you would dare dare. Say about Maple story that is not positive.
2: Dare <laughs> to dare. I just our
1: forumies Our farmies are the most entertaining people <laughs> on the planet. I'm, I don't know if they know that.
2: <laughs> just we, oh, now they do.
0: So yes, yeah. his logic here is that how dare you insult Maple story's well-deserved popularity? I don't care if not all accounts are active or not. That doesn't mean that over seventy million accounts aren't. Shadow four six nine nine, you may want to use proper grammar here, or else it sounds like you're making a double negative, and that is not what you wanted to do. Also, <laughs> WoW must have unactive accounts as well. Yes, uh, someone who plays WoW can probably say yes. There are inactive accounts for it, like mine. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> I, and you know, Pecky notes for WoW.
0: I, I know my WoW. Well. I also know that
4: I quit it a couple weeks ago because I got. I was finally. i finally had enough.
1: Yeah, you say that now You say that now <laughs> Yeah, but even Adrian went back to
2: WoW earlier this year He stopped, but he did go back <laughs> Yeah, and definitely, you know I mean, I'm not trying to sell You know, from a from a business perspective I'm not trying to sell story short However, it is, as far as I guess at the end of the day, what matters most to a business is just how much money it makes off of its product. Uh, World of Warcraft um, probably makes, at least from the numbers I've seen, uh, twice as much in sheer revenue. And the numbers I looked at were kind of dated back to 2008. So um, I don't know how much that has changed in the last three years since both of them have been around for a lot longer uh, than three years. But um, uh, but they were, they were basically um, – um, You know, basically making a a bucket load of – both of them make a lot of money. But World of Warcraft by far makes more money than MapleStory. So, uh, you know, but how much more revenue you're able to make off a product is directly tied into the demand and the supply since MMO supply is irrelevant since they can accommodate as many subscribers that are needed and the the number of subscribers doesn't necessarily drive up or down the price, so to speak. Um, You can pretty much say that World of Warcraft clearly has a, a higher demand Uh, based on the fact that it pulls in a ton more revenue. Does that necessarily make it better? Well, it just means that it appeals to a broader audience who are willing to part with more dollars. Um, But me personally, I just have my own opinion on it, and I just think MapleStory looks like a kid's game. But that's okay. Uh, uh, Opinions are like, uh, you know... Well, I won't say that online. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, everyone's got an opinion, so... <laughs> yes, yeah, so apparently,
0: Shadow4699 also says that Chris Pervert Ear has a horrid opinion of it. So, that is apparently his new name, Chris Pervert Ear. Aha. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, and just because I, I personally don't care for the whole cutesy or, you know, the, the 2D stuff and whatever else that they do in that game, doesn't mean that I don't respect as a as a gamer and a journalist that i don't respect the fact that um it it clearly pulls in millions of dollars it is one of the biggest MMOs out there and it does have its own market so
4: well i love cutesy 2d stuff but maple story is too grindy for me so there we go we all got an opinion <laughs> also
1: arguments from popularity don't totally work with me because you know what how much money did twilight make Ooh,
3: shna- uh, yeah,
1: oh Yeah, and we can't even ca- give that a conclusive
0: argument because the final book is being broken into two movies, and we haven't seen either of them yet. And I'm sure they'll rake in lots more to add to the pile.
1: Hey, well, you know what? The guys at Rift Tracks are going to earn their four dollars from me when those two movies come out. <laughs> eight dollars. Oh yeah, eight for yeah. But you know
0: what? It would be worth it at twice or even three times the price.
2: Oh, yeah. What, the guys at Rift are charging $8 a movie now? No, well, because there will be pieces. two movies. Oh, two movies. Right, 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 right. Of course. Um, and, oh, uh, and Shadow4699 also wanted
0: to know if we're going to do Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga, and we will sometime, along with the other two handheld Mario & Luigi games. But it's not anytime soon, just because, uh, well, just because. I'm not going to the the advanced, complicated reasoning behind it. There are reasons. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, one one last thing about that whole popularity thing is, um, you know, actually the games that sell the most are usually, you know, those big things like the Madden games and first person shooters and stuff. And people who are in that massive popularity group, they don't listen to RPG backtrack, anyways.
4: (laughs) Actually, it's not even those, it's like Cabela Deer Hunter. And The Sims. (laughs) Uh, Cabela Deer Hunter. (laughs) I'm serious. The Cabela Deer Hunter series is, like, huge.
1: Yeah. Like, there's a reason why there's one every nine months. (laughs) Mm. Mm -mm.
4: Think on that. Ponder
2: that. Oh, boy. And while we're pondering, I guess I should do the end of the show disclaimer doohickeys and whatnot i want to thank mr minky once again he's the one who uh does all the work behind the scenes and putting this together i simply show up with my charismatic voice every day and do the recording so my hat is off to him as always mr minky is there uh, anything uh, that uh, you wanted to share with the audience before uh, we leave i mean we still oh, gonna do we're still gonna do the stuff at the end i'm just saying <laughs> is there anything you want oh, to do well, uh, any, any new reviews or anything uh, well,
0: I did do those Valkyrie profile reviews, which means that I've reviewed everything in that series. And uh, now I have to figure out, how much pain do I want to suffer if I want to try and review Fire Emblem 3 CS776? Because in case you haven't been seeing me ranting on the forums about it, that is a very, very painful game. And it is a game that likes to kill you over and over for reasons that seem unfair to me. But apparently the Facts crowd loves it.
2: Bringing <laughs> <So, laughs> endorsement know.
1: if I've ever
0: heard one You'll just have to read the FAQs
2: Where they list for you turn by turn Exactly what moves you have to do <laughs> Oh, I've looked at the FAQs The FAQs even say Well, you have to get lucky here Oh, that's always good when you're playing a strategy game You have to move here, here, here By the way, you hope you get lucky, yeah,
3: yeah I,
0: I especially look forward to when the ballistas Start showing up with insane accuracy And hit power, and I have to get lucky Nice. So once again, the moral
4: of the story is, if you would like to get lucky in an RPG, just skip on to The Witcher 2.
2: Yeah. <laughs> which uh, which is a little side note, That's, that game has been reviewing really, really well. Uh, let me just check it again, but last time I was uh, checking that, it was above 90%, which is one heck of a score for uh, kind of an indie RPG PC type of deal. 92.25% on game rankings with 6 reviews and
4: and that is with a number of um, flaws in terms of the game's gameplay systems, but it's just so darn good that it doesn't matter.
2: Right. And, and you know, it's another, you know, like, I have a friend who's playing through it, and he's keeping me posted. Um, it's got some, it really pushes your, your graphical capabilities on your PC, which is always going to turn a few people off, especially when they buy it and it doesn't work, or it, it bugs out a little bit, and things like that, but uh, it's so pretty, but it's very pretty. It's got mm. a, it's got a really great story. Um, the, the battle system. Uh, I don't hear people, uh, you know, saying a whole lot of great super things about it, but they're not saying anything bad. They pretty much like the battle system, but it's not, it's not the battle system that's given this game its good scores. It's clearly the story and the plot, which is really great for um, RP gamers at heart. Uh, and not only is it getting like a 90, a ninety-two percent from the critics, but uh, looking at a, a GameSpot sixteen hundred votes, it's 9.4. Uh, it's just absolutely, you know, this is absolutely a, a great game, and you've but got to about check it out. The,
0: but what about the true measure of quality? The GameFAQs user
2: reviews. Woohoo! <laughs> oh boy, yeah, we won't go there. Um, <laughs> we'll be here for another two hours. <laughs> um, so, anyways, uh, I definitely plug uh, The Witcher 2 aside from all of those really great things simply because I like the guys at GOG, and those are the guys behind The Witcher 2. So, so projects, what is it? CD projects or something like that?
4: CD yeah. project.
2: Yeah, project. With a K. With a K. With a K, With a K. because they're Polish. Because they're just that cool.
4: No, because they're Polish.
2: Yeah, and they're Polish. And they're the ones who pull off the crazy stunts that nobody likes when they take the website down. <laughs> Anywho, um, back on track um, Sam, thank you so much for helping us with the Ultimate Series Is there anything you want to say to our audience tonight? Today, Did you just call morning? Scott Sam? Sam, Scott, Becky, Becky <laughs> Becky <laughs> You
4: just call me Sam, we're different, damn it
2: Sure you are, yes, yes, yes you are Yes, I agree with you, Yes <laughs> Yes, okay, all, uh,
1: not up. all short, chesty, curly-haired women are identical, <laughs> Belle.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I don't even have her picture yeah. in front of me. I just have to use my imagination where they all look the same. Anyway, Becky, so what would you like to say?
4: Oh, I don't – I think I've already said my piece, although I think Jumez and I have uh, have a couple of things to take us out on. But.
2: Okay. Mr. Self, is there anything you want to share with the audience? Any articles you've written or anything else you want to plug? Yeah, I'm good. Mr. Walkemander,
1: I have this other podcast unrelated to anything I do at RP Gamer. Go ahead. You, you check that out. It's uh, sbopodcast.blogspot.com.
2: Hmm, pretty cool. And uh, speaking of plugging a little bit, um, I do a weekly. Um uh, pathfinder rpg we do that online pen and paper type of deal if you're an experienced uh, role player and are interested in joining us we do have a slot available write me at jc dot so that's my personal plug And with all that being said, let's go ahead and wrap this up. To our audience, we thank you for listening to RPG Backtrack. As always, you are the reason we do this. RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the internet. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email me, jcservant at rpgamer.com, and help us to develop our future shows. Don't forget to follow us at twitter.com slash rpgamer. And what? who's breathing during my spiel? Cut that out. I'm watching you. And (laughs) become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our sister shows, RPGcast and RPG Sanctum, at rpgamer.com. Mr. Mike, Miss Becky, take me home.
0: I'll go first because I think Becky's is better. In days now years past, Lord British headed worthwhile games that should be played.
4: Eight Goodly Virtues, Avatar in a Spaceship, Hail Britannia.